Welcome to the Pour Over podcast. This is episode five of the Pop-In Sessions. In this episode, we talk to Anahita Hasami about her career as a stained glass artist and business owner, working to a brief and some of the stranger requests clients have made. So, hey, so yeah, Pour Over, no, not Pour Over podcast. What are we now? The Pop-In the, Sessions. Pop-In Sessions. More of a podcast, but for the lockdown, we've gone for the pop-in sessions because uh, obviously we're all in different locations. We can't fraternise at the moment, um, and each week we've been getting, um, you know, someone from the local area who kind of does something interesting or has something interesting to say to um, to come and have a chat to us. Basically, just you know, tell us what they've been doing, what they're up to, how lo- how lockdown has a, has kind of affected them, or if it hasn't, to be honest. Um, some people's businesses are booming, some people's aren't. Uh, so this week we've got um Anahita Asami with us from uh Cut Glass Studio. Am I saying that right? Yes, yeah. Um, I was tempted to give a brief overview of like what you do and who you are, but I think it's probably better for you to do it because I think you do yourself a much better uh, service. So, do you want to just kind of introduce yourself and then I'll ask you a bunch of questions and we'll go through like that? Okay, so my name's Anahita and I uh, run a business called Cut Glass Studio and here we make anything architectural glass related. So any stained glass, etched glass, anything decorative that we can do for you and then even going as far as building art pieces that end up in galleries. So it's really open to any ideas and anything that I can do to push the craft of stained glass and glass in general. It's quite an unusual thing to to kind of be into. I you can't think of like a path that would lead to you being a, into stained glass. Like how how did that come about? Yeah, it wasn't it wasn't actually something that I ever had on my agenda. So I was uh, living at home whilst I was studying at university. And my parents, when we moved to London in the uh, early 90s, um, had bought a house in Palmer's Green um, that every room was habitat, habitat, (laughs) in every room was a whole family. Um, And it it was insane, you know, as children, we couldn't understand what my parents could see in this property. But after living there for 20, 22 years um you know obviously we learned that the house was beautiful it was, had a lovely garden and, and you could t- see all the period features and everything there was a gentleman who came out to do some work on that property and um, my mum sat me down with him um and said to him that this is the artist in the family and she'd be best to sit down and discuss with you um colors and and a design for the house and by the end of the whole process that gentleman ended ended up offering me a job so it was like more of an apprenticeship than a job but he knew I was an art student and said to me that um at the end of my studies I should take my portfolio to him and have a chat and he, he's looking for somebody because at the time, the, the girlie that he had working for him, who's now a very close friend of mine, Annika, um, ha, had run, her visa had run out and needed to return to South Africa. So he needed someone to replace her and saw my keen interest in, in it and, and my fascination at the end result when he came to fit it in the house. And, and just, you know, I think he fed off my energy towards him and and offered me you know something and said well you know if you really are that keen and and you're creative then come and show me what you can do and I did 
And look at me now. I'm still doing it 12 years later. So, yeah, I'm so glad that strange and crazy opportunities like that occur in life in general, you know, and just that I'm crazy enough to just say yes to things that are being presented and, and just just to be like open-minded enough to just be like yeah okay why not just give it a go let's just see you know I'd never even considered stained glass as a as a job I didn't even really think about it even still existing as a trade or anything really so yeah it's 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 nuts that I'm doing what I'm doing now so when you when you took that job was that just kind of traditional stained glass uh remaking or was it because you you do a lot of um like graffiti style stained glass windows like how did that how did that happen I do now um i mean i think that's just that is weird yeah that's kind of organically happened through who i am and the things that i like and the things that i follow and support on social media so i started my business years ago before um I had any social media platforms and I was struggling to pull work in at first um, and people had suggested to me that a Facebook page or an Instagram page would help me share my work with a larger audience and, and maybe instead of being cooped up in a, in a studio on my own all day, it would give me this kind of, it would open, open my world to more people that I can talk to and share my interests with because I have a lot of friends who are creatives but um, none of them do what I do you know, and I can't moan about silly little nuanced things within my trade because no one's going to understand what I'm moaning about, you know? It's, so it's a difficult one. So, so yeah, having an Instagram and a, and a Facebook did exactly that. And, um, and then it opened my eyes to what's already out there and people are already using the channels. And I found loads of artists that I had seen up around London that I really liked and, and I didn't realise that you could just follow these dudes and it opened my eyes to a lot of stuff um, and I only ever really treated it as a business thing. I never wanted it to be like, hey, my name's Anna and I just ate pasta for lunch today. You know, it was always about what I'm doing and um, just trying to keep it away from being personal and about you know what I like and dislike but more about the work and and it, it's worked you know um I can't believe it um and and it has it's 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 broadened my friendship group it's broadened my knowledge of the art world and it's 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 mad it, it's benefited me in so many ways but yeah I mean my fir the first job the first day most of the stuff I was doing was like restoration work in in um domestic for domestic properties in, in London um, and the surrounding areas. And he did a lot of ecclesiastical work. So I did a lot of kind of work that I don't do anymore, um, but had good experience with it and working in, in stone, in old churches and stuff. I learned all of that in, in within the other companies that I've worked for throughout my career. Um, I don't generally take that kind of work on now, not necessarily because I don't enjoy it, but I'm not religious. I don't feel like it's relevant for me to make religious windows. I think it, it's better served by somebody who who believes in that and has a passion for it. Um, and I don't have any kind of painting skills myself um, to the degree that you would need to make a beautiful church window. So it really is best left to somebody else. <laughs> so when did you actually, I mean, did you just try and do something like different to the commissions you were getting 
or did someone approach you and say hey can you turn this into a, a stained glass piece so yeah it's kind of a bit of both I started off with the Instagram and I was posting work that I was doing with my crappy phone and you know put, learning how to use filters and that being amazing like oh my god I can you know filter this and put a hue around the edge and all this kind of stuff so that was fun for a while um and then um yeah it started getting a bit more serious and I started posting things and then I started in between work you know <clears throat> and when you first start a business you're not busy it doesn't matter what you're doing like no one's that busy so you know I started I had a studio and I had materials and and I had waste so I started using that and making pieces of my own experimenting doing different stuff because yeah by that point I'd been in the trade for like five or six years you know I'd made hundreds and hundreds of windows and they're all very traditional or in someone else's style because I'm working for another studio so it was finally time for me to start developing what my style was and how I communicate with glass rather than working for a boss and this is their style and you must create this because this is my business and this is my my studio and that's all good you know I'm, I'm a designer so I'm adaptable and and even when I design you know even now after doing this for so long and having people who have followed my work for a very long time online they still continuously ask me did you design that because it's so very different from something that I made last week or last year and it's like well yeah but that's what a designer is you're supposed to be able to design something to a specification it's not to your taste um, specifically it is within reason but it's it's more about you know being given a brief and following it isn't it do you remember your first piece that you um created what it was the first very first window or what have you that you put out there in the trade like working for someone else or working for myself either or just the very first piece that you were left to go on yours by yourself um I mean, I remember making some seriously shocking things. Yeah, I mean, I remember making certain things and then looking at them and realizing that they resemble like something quite phallic or, you know, it's just, just incredibly rude looking. Oh my God, how did I end up doing that? That when you led it, it actually resembles that <laughs> in its entirety and I wasn't going for that, you know? So yeah, I mean, I've made some Ugh, stuff that I would never show anyone like it just went straight in the bin I just like totally looked at it laughed at it and threw it away um but I mean I, I guess that's part of the process of learning what works and what doesn't and my main problem when I first started out was that my my first studio that was my own it was literally a box it had no windows had no natural light had nothing apart from just you know strip lights above my head and then as many lamps as I could put around my bench and it was just, you know, I really needed to know my materials in order to get things right. Unless I had the energy, which I never do because I'm quite lazy when it comes down to it, really, um, to go outdoors every five minutes to check that everything looks nice next to each other. You know, I was literally like, I know this glass. I've worked with it for the, the past, you know, eight years. Let's just go with it, you know, just go with it and just take the risk and you know, I think a lot of the time that's when things happen that you, you know, you don't prescribe and then they're the best things. <laughs> so, yeah, I mean, now I've got the most amazing studio. I've got so much light and I feel so totally blessed um, and it all kind of feels really worth it. So, yeah, starting off in a cupboard 
who cares? You know, it's all part of the process. It made me what I am today. So obviously I know, I know a little bit about um, like some of the collaborations you've done. Um, but I guess you could, it'd be nice if you'd like touched on some of the graffiti collaborations and then some of the, um, I guess some of the kind of revered artists that you've worked with um, over the years and kind of how, how different that is to work with someone like that versus it, you know working with someone who has a has a brief for you to install their floor to ceiling hallway window mm, yeah well i mean it's funny because <clears throat> i mean uh, often people who work in this trade will know anyway it's the smallest jobs that are the, like the biggest pain in the ass so you know you, you you take something on because you think oh what a lovely lady and you just want to help them and get the job done and then just you're just like oh my god five days later you're like literally like why am i helping this person like i just wanna i just want to die right now but yeah it's um it's here it's here nor there like i i i don't mind taking on anything what what's the actual process of of making a piece then could you just give us like a real basic understanding of what you you actually have to do okay so uh, the starting process is something called a cut line or a cartoon, which is a, a kind of a drawing or design of your window. The cut line is the full scale drawing. So it's almost like the Bible to your window. It's what you cut the glass on. It's what you led the window on. It's, 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 it's the thing that is to scale that enables you to keep within the parameters of what the window needs to be so that you know it's going to fit in the hole. Um, and then, so yeah, you've drawn your cut line up you pick your colors you cut your glass you lay it out like a jigsaw it then gets leaded together those that the lead then gets soldered at each join um and then cleaned off that is then done on both sides and then it will need to be cemented or weatherproofed or caulking is what some people like to call it then that needs a day or so to set a little bit hard and then it gets polished and then it's ready for install and that's if it's just a straightforward colored glass leaded window that you know you can go into the realms of fusing or painting or etching or sandblasting you know there's so many different um finishes that you can apply to the surface of the glass before you lead a window or even make windows that don't need lead you know through being fused or things like that bonded or there's so many different methods and ways of working with glass my preferred is with the lead um and that's why most of my work is is done that way but um it's the most sturdy um and long lasting i in my opinion you know architecturally so how long are you are you spending on a on a piece i mean i know obviously depending on how intricate and how big i mean what's the average time scale of, of uh, a window it really depends. Yeah, it really is so dependent on, um, you know, the level of detail, the amount of design that's involved. You know, sometimes you, you can do a design and the customer okays it instantly and they just love it. And then sometimes people want to tweak things and it takes a little while to get there. So, I mean, if I'm given free reign to go with something, it's often not always a blessing because you're left sitting there going, okay, well, I can do anything. So what should I do? you know and then you're stuck thinking for ages like what should i do um there's one project i took on and i had a very clear brief but the brief didn't work for me so it took me about a year to to get it right so 
it just depends but physically making a window I, I could make a window in a day and have it ready for the next day but don't tell anybody that I'm <laughs> 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 just expecting it and I've just got such a huge backlog you know nothing yeah. happens that quickly so generally I'll take on a job and I'll and it will take me between six to eight weeks to turn it around on a domestic job um, but there's a lot of contracted work that comes in and I'm given a week on a deadline to produce a whole project and send it out the door. Oh. And know, I mean, different levels of work that comes through. That's the problem. Yeah, no, I get that. Um, a lot of people say like people in the creative field or in, in any field, actually, that there's that kind of cliche of, um, it's the journey, not the destination, like the process of doing whatever you're doing. But in your case, like looking at your Instagram feed, it's those kind of seeing the sun go through the, the window, the glass, right? How is it for you? Are you looking to get to the end point so you can see oh, how it always. looks from the... I right. just want to see it installed because that's where, you know, that's its glory. That's where it's going to do its thing. You know, a window is, is pointless if it's not, it's not in the light. It's not in basking in the sunshine. It's just, <clears throat> it's unfortunate. I've had to make a few windows that kind of block out bad areas so you have to use dark colors and and heavy textures and yeah you do feel like you lose a little bit of the design aspect that way but when you know the front door i fitted a front door today it looked absolutely fantastic i was so thrilled with it and it, and it's been sitting in the studio for like two or three months waiting to be fitted and and just to see it in the door was just like oh my god the, you know everyone was jumping up with excitement because it's just been so long to see anything like that actually come to fruition but yeah i mean generally it i go through stages because i really enjoy the leading process that's very quick and very satisfying um and but then other aspects of the of the work i, I don't enjoy as much so i don't necessarily enjoy standing cutting glass all day but when you see a window coming together and you're laying it out on a pallet, it's, it's, it's quite fun. But the actual labor and doing it is, is another thing. Um, so it's, it's not all fun and games, you know, it's quite heavy on your body and, and on your hands. I mean, my hands is are it, pretty. Is it pretty. dangerous at all? Yes, there's lots of things that we have to take into account health and safety wise. I mean, lead is, is incredibly toxic. So in, in many ways you have to be incredibly careful with, um, the environment and and how we, tr um, you know, when we're working, um, I've bought hoovers for the soldering iron so that there's not so much fume going into the room so that it's not just for the person who's directly working going into their face, but, you know, it does go into the environment that then everyone has to breathe. So, you know, I'm, I'm doing as much as I can. You know, we wear gloves. Um, I've got all the PPE that I can possibly get for everybody in here. So it's just about everybody being responsible with their approach to work, really. And before you eat, washing your hands and making sure you don't eat at your bench and, and just silly little things like that. You know, you, you can't get too comfortable in an environment like this. You know, we have to be conscious all the time that you're not going to set your, your bag down on your bench, that you're then going to go and set down on your bed when you get home or, you know, because you're then transferring. So it's, it's very similar to obviously all the issues that we've been having at the moment. So it, it, I've always been quite mindful in that respect of, of, you know, I have one set of clothes for work and one set of clothes for everyday life because I don't like to cross contaminate, try and keep everything as clean as possible and stay healthy. <laughs> it's important. <laughs> and have you had any 
any kind of requests that you've turned down or or any very strange requests oh yes do you want <laughs> to do you want to tell us a uh, bit about those well you know <clears throat> there's a lot of people that uh like to get carried away with ideas and, and that's not a problem you know of course that's great and it's great to hear a lot of people's ideas but often you know that that idea is not going to add value to that person's property and morally as a business owner and as somebody who's not hand to mouth i'm not going to just do work willy-nilly if i don't think that it's it's going to benefit the person generally i decline the job yes and that's when i'm asked to make an elephant with two doves and that is for real i've been asked to make that and you know like i don't know just even even like the small things like a bird next to a pond or you know things like that it's not me and I've, I've i literally have written in emails if this is the kind of window you want you can literally go to any company and they will make it for you but it's not what we are about i'm really sorry <laughs> so yes i get asked to do a lot of very strange things i've been asked to make some strange things i've made some strange things i've made um a lady's womb um and it was it was an interpretation of but it was her womb whilst pregnant with her second child and it was her husband at her husband's request and i've been asked to make i, I asked was asked to make something hang on for, hang on did did you do that did you make I it i did it yeah all oh, right where where did that did that actually go in a window or was it like a standalone piece yeah it was like a piece that she could hang in her window it was a gift Interested. I like yeah, it. That's what that was my that my thoughts exactly. I was like interesting. <laughs> yeah, and then I was asked to make for, for Gok Wan, who's the you know, this fashion dude on television, I had to make a pair of praying those famous praying hands and mm. um, praying to a bowl of noodles with chopsticks coming out. Sometimes <laughs> I'm like, Oh all right, you know, I'm sure I can make that work. And other times I'm like, no, you know, like with herons next to ponds and, and boats and things like that. I'm like, no, I'm sorry, no. <laughs> just not into it. They just look really tacky. There's nothing you can do to make that look nice. In my opinion, I should say. Because obviously there's a lot of people that really like it. And, there's and also there's, plen it. there's plenty of other people who can, uh, who can, do, can it do that as well. Exactly. Yeah, yeah exactly. They don't need me. <laughs> I feel like you've you've managed to retain the the artist side of your work. You know, like you still have like an artist integrity. There's still a obviously as a designer, yes, you can you know, you can kind of move into other people's styles and you can, you know, pull ideas from that, but you're still very clear about what you want to achieve. And that it's not just a, it's not just you interpreting their brief. It's more you trying to bring your artistry into their idea as well. It's not like a one-way thing. It's, like, it's more of a collaboration. Oh, that's nice. I'm glad that comes across. Um, yeah, basically, nail on the head. <laughs> no further <Thank> comment. <laughs> I was going to say, I really, um, I really wanted you to talk about some of the uh, like collaborations you've done. Oh, yes, sorry. I was supposed you know, to do that earlier and I totally yeah. sidetracked. So yeah, I've done a lot of collaborative work with a lot of different artists and, and most of it, like I explained earlier, has come about quite organically. So through me um, 
experimenting in my own medium and putting those experiments online other artists started seeing that oh okay you know stained glass isn't just like you know a, a Tudor rose in a, in a traditional front door or you know a, a set of borders with some nice rondelles and a painted center you know they realized that there's 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 other ways that this can be pushed and and there was a gent the first guy that asked me it was unfortunately quite a negative experience so it was kind of hit and miss as to whether I was going to do any more collaborating after that but I'm really glad that I did <laughs> but yeah so it was this dude from the states and, and he wanted he was going to have a show in the UK um first one was in Bristol in a crypt in a, in a church and the second one was at Stolen Space Gallery uh, which is owned by Deface uh, and it was it's at the top of Brick Lane um, and so Deface is a big street artist name he's like one of the biggest um, and yeah so I mean that work went on display in his gallery um, and it was fantastic it looked really really good um, I basically had about 17 days to produce these huge panels that Bo then painted on with sign writers enamels and then they got made into light boxes and fitted onto the walls and they they look great I mean I, I remember Jade coming along to see we had a great time but um, unfortunately the artist didn't honor his word and he didn't credit me for any of the work so it was it was a negative experience for me um, but a learning curve so you know out of every negative i suppose comes a positive and then after that i started meeting a lot of people um charlie who's known as pure evil he approached me because he really liked the body of work that i did with Bo, um, and i explained to him the problems that i'd had <clears throat> and how it made me feel because it, i did find it truly upsetting because of the hardship that i'd gone through just to build my business you know and then have someone come and take the piss out of me it really it really annoyed me like there was nothing I could do to to shake that feeling um so I expressed that to to Charlie who said look that, that's not going to happen with me and and he honored his words so it kind of reinstated my um trust uh, and and it made me kind of just go for it and so after I did the piece with Charlie that piece got so much um attention you know it it, it went into the Saatchi gallery it hung like in the middle of the Saatchi shop and my head exploded like and then not only that he took it on channel four and it got sold to like a massive art dealer alex proud who owns it and keeps it in his bloody gallery in chelsea so i'm just like all right then so you know that was fantastic it just made my head truly explode i couldn't believe what was going on um and then after that you know i collaborated with a lot of my friends and i met a lot of other people in in that industry and just through sharing that work and obviously people being interested by it and liking it my audience grew and yeah and, and now i've like started collaborating with people that i've like i've loved for years and uh, like people like insta and even i've been fortunate enough to team up with sir peter blake like that has just been such a an amazing journey to go on and people that i never thought i would sit in front of in my life so truly blessed um just kept reminding myself not to swear just don't swear just you know don't be you just be a decent human being for a moment you know and then i remembered that you know he must have met people like tracy emmons so what am i worried about but at the same time you know you want to present well but 
it's so nerve-wracking me meeting people like that who you have so much admiration for and then also having to produce something for them and wanting it to be so totally perfect so that you know and then to see them like be so in awe of what you've created like I literally my feet weren't even touching the floor anymore like it was it's the best feeling ever so yeah I mean I've done tons I mean I can't even remember them all just sitting here and then oh yeah some some really cool work exploring typogra typography um which was something that I'd kind of prompted to um a friend of mine who had then kind of put me in touch with a few artists who were really keen and the first one I made was a piece that just says love you and and the two words kind of intertwine with each other really beautifully and the, the type artist is um, his name is Ryan Mills is is brilliant and you know that was that I couldn't believe that I even made that when I looked at it when it was finished because it was just it was bang on <laughs> I was just like okay cool and that sold for 1200 quid for charity so you know that's the power of a really cool piece of like a good decision between us two of which piece to make and it being appealing to quite a broad audience um and it's yeah it's sold really well so so chuffed with that and then did another one with a, a type artist called tar wayne that says together and that's a project that he does because apparently the word together is really cool to experiment with in typography form because of the arrangement of letters um so yeah we made one of uh, one of those and and i've done a piece with a, another graffiti artist called musa who's um a, a wicked female queen in spain she's like one of the best writers i've ever seen um and and female so just to add to it um and yeah i made one of her letters the letter m and that went over to a museum in spain where she'd had a, a show and that, that was that was stretching my my limits a little bit because you know I was I wasn't even sure how I was going to approach that you know she when she was sending me the pictures of her work I, I just kept thinking holy crap how am I going to interpret that in class there's so much gradient and so much patination going on um but you know unfortunately I only got halfway through the project before I had to let it and send it to her because of the deadline so it, I wanted to experiment with that much more than I did um, but we all agreed that it looked quite cool at the stage that it was at and it was going to be okay to be put together and go forward for the show as it was. So it did. So, you know, it's all an experiment. It's all in the name of fun. <laughs> Are you working on any exciting projects at the moment? I mean, obviously you're busy, but is there anything like super special coming back, uh, coming up or something that kind of gives you that nervous energy? a 10 meter long mosaic that goes down the side of um somebody's swimming pool in kilburn and it is like ass busting it's so big i don't really know what, how I, I did it once already like 10 years ago or so this is the irony of this this was like at the start of my career i met this couple and they are they were the most fantastic people i'd ever met they introduced me to storm ferguson who's the guy that that designed um pink floyd album cover the prism album cover and everything you know i went to their house parties and they're just a fantastic couple um but sorry my battery's going i'm gonna have to move otherwise we're gonna go um they hired me i did i did their front door 
I did a side elevation of their property and then they thought what the hell we're gonna go for it and they they asked me to make this big mosaic for the side of their swimming pool so I I just went for it they wanted something Miro inspired at the time and I did what I could and I, I was semi okay with the outcome uh, happy enough that I'd managed to achieve something to that scale in my studio that was the size of a storage unit like it just literally was a storage room um, so it was an achievement at the time but to be given the opportunity to redo a project that I did 10 years ago is just nuts mm. so you know she she approached me and she said look um, this probably isn't the news that you're gonna want to hear but the wall has failed and the builders have had to take all the glass down and she offered to give me all the glass and I was like well what do you want me to do with that you know she's like well maybe you can use it again and I had to I was like I'm sorry but I'm too much of a perfectionist for that like I wouldn't be able to just reuse that like we'd have to we'd just have to start again like it's just impossible so we have and I've changed the design and it I'm so happy with it but I'm also like shitting my pants like massively um, because I don't know I feel like there's so much more pressure for me to perform now mm. because of what I've been doing and how much further my career has come so everything comes with this much larger slice of cake attached mm. it's not you know nothing's plain sailing now it's like there's an expectation from people have you ever done any workshops no but how, um, I mean, for, for okay, if someone wanted to get into creating stained glass windows, where would they start, or how would like how would they they do that? Uh, they would need to go and find a class, and um, not yeah, I'm unfortunately not that person. So I don't I don't open my studio. Uh, you know, we are a busy business, so um, I, I generally the only people I have in here are skilled people you know, who are here to work and, and get, keep us up to date with our deadlines. But I mean, I've done a few kind of one-on-one -on -one tutorial type things, um, but I'm, I'm not the best teacher in the world. I, I don't <laughs> see, I don't have very much patience. I'm so busy. I'm so stressed out. I'm just the wrong person to teach anyone anything. I literally, I'm just like, why can't you do it? I've shown you, like, come on, like, come on. I think I've you're, hey, hey. I think you're selling, you're selling yourself short. You're not that bad. I'm not, <laughs> I'm not, not that bad. bad. But you know, I, I genuinely am. Um, I, I just am incredibly busy. So I, 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 I lack the the time and the soft approach that that would take, unfortunately. Um, so yeah, well, I just need a good like good team so that we're all strong. It's, I mean, it must be hard easy. to find like good people for because it's it's like one of those an art form that not an old art form, but in a way an old art form, a bit like right. someone who makes leather goods or binds books. Yeah, I mean, it's medieval uh, in, in its approach. I mean, we, really, we don't do anything differently to the medieval craftsman, apart from the fact that our materials are, are far better made. Um, and obviously our tools are, are machined out of things like plastic now and, and stuff like that. But, you know, everything's done by hand. So let me see if I can find... Oh, I can't find tools because I put them all away. But, I mean, everything. There's not one... The only tool that I use that I have to plug in is my soldering iron, and, and that's just unfortunate because I'm not allowed to use gas in, in the studio. 
I mean, this is my glass cutter. So it's a hand tool um, and it's just got a, a wheel at the end. It's almost like a tile cutter. And so any piece of glass that I cut, it, it's cut, you know, it's cut by hand. You score it and then it just, you know, that's, it's as simple as that. <laughs> you know, and then really, if you want to cut glass, these are the two things you need. This is a, a glass cutter and this is, these are called grosing pliers. And so you've got one straight edge and then one curved. You generally hold it this way around and you, you use this to kind of grose the edge of the glass. If you've got any kind of shells or anything you, you need to get rid of like that. And that's it. That's all you need. It's easy. It's easy. So saying all you need to make a film is a camera. Like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, but I mean, it kind and of is. And all the skills that go with it. But yeah, you know, yeah, it depends yeah. who's holding the camera, doesn't it? Yeah, yeah. A key knife. <laughs> yeah, so I mean, I'm sure, yes. I mean, it does get tricky. There's a lot of technical, a lot of the stuff that I, I've done, like the, the Love You piece that we were talking about, there's some hugely technical pieces in, in that window that, you know... I would never have managed to do in my first five years of making, probably even more than that. I would never have been able to make something so technical and so clean without the amount of practice that I've, <laughs> that I've had. And even when you, I was making it, I, I didn't think it was going to be possible. Do you notice your, like your, the improvement in your skill set? Oh, hell yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, and I know when I haven't, done something as well mm. as I could you know I'm like oh, really did I do that mm. but you know generally I'll redo it if that's the case and people think I'm nuts but I'm just like I just can't because if I'm not happy with it then I just can't everybody makes mistakes it's craft it's all handmade so you know it's just how it is it's part and parcel I don't mind things getting broken I don't mind things necessarily being wrong I don't mind you know, there's, it's often that you'll make a whole window and it's not until you lift it off the bench that you realise that there's an issue with it, you know, and that's when it's fully finished. And then you're like, oh, really? Like, now you see that? But, you know, it's just, it's part, part and parcel. And, and the fact that you've made it by hand means that you can fix it. So, you know, it's no stress. It doesn't matter. If anyone wants to commission you or work with you, where, where can they, what's the best way of getting in touch? Any way you wish. I... I literally have people texting me work or um, sending me DMs on Instagram or Facebook or WhatsApp or um, email is preferred. Um, but, you know, any which way, I've got a website. The website's up. If you uh, Google Cut Glass Studio, you'll find us. Um, but the, the Instagram and the Facebook are kind of a little bit more up to date. I'm a bit crap with computers so i haven't updated the website maybe in about a year but um the blog is generally like the instagram feed and then i post on a few other platforms there's one called vero and um twitter so i'm everywhere basically you take commissions now or are you are you rampacked we're always taking commissions i've been um taking taking on new work every day at the moment okay what well, well, window you want made uh, james <laughs> maybe <laughs> maybe yeah we're open i mean i mean we would have liked to have had well either gone to your studio or to had you at the coffee mm. shop yeah and yeah. had a, a longer kind of sit down in the chat 
Um, and maybe that can happen once everything's back yeah, to normal. Sure. Um, but yeah, I think this has to, we have to, has to end. To, has <laughs> yeah. to end. I mean, we yeah. were just saying literally before we, we got cut off, there, there are just so many more questions mm. that, we, that we'd love to ask and obviously mm. see some more of your work. So if you're up well, for I it when this I is all over. I think well enough. I'm really good at like going yeah. off. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. Topic. No, no, really, really, really interesting stuff. And yeah, we'd love to sit down again and have a longer chat. And yeah, yeah definitely sure. visit well the studio. Yeah, you, you're welcome anytime. And tell the world that we're here because we are. Yeah. Making windows. I'll bring the boys down to uh, down to the studio. Yes. <laughs> you have to Just wear your hoodie. Yeah. We can social distance. <laughs> Look forward to it. Yeah, that's sure. Right. Nice one. Oh, well, thanks you. very much for having me. I really appreciate it. Likewise. Yeah, All right. Pleasure. I hope everyone well. enjoys it, and it's uh, it's not just a bunch of babble for everybody. That was episode five of the Pour of a Podcast Pop In Sessions. Follow us on Insta at Pour of a Podcast. Follow me at Black J Films on Insta and Twitter. Follow James at James Stanton Did It, and Colin at Colin underscore Stanton eighty two. As usual, we'll see you on the other side. Oh,